Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you. Welcome to Series 3 of the Tim Hill Podcast. In the last two series, I've told you about my life. I've met many interesting people along the way who have become my friends and what they all have in common is they have fascinating stories of their own which they are happy to share with you now. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Tip Hill Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to have a chat with Dwight. Dwight's going to tell us where and when he was born. He's going to describe what it was like where he grew up, the schools he went to, and the education that he received. So, Dwight, you're up and running. Hi, Tim. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing okay. You're welcome. Fantastic. Fantastic. I appreciate being on. Well, I grew up in a small farming community. Um, Approximately, I live in a capital city of my province now, um, Edmonton. For those that are listening, depending on where you live, uh, province is just a landmass within a country for the people in the states. The state is a state. And I grew up in a small farming community of about 10,000 people. Um, my dad owned a farm equipment dealership, um, surrounded by farmers most of my life. My dad is one of 18 kids. Most of his relatives are farmers. My dad, uh, pardon me, my mom was one of nine. A lot of farmers again. And then again, my dad owning a farm equipment dealership. I grew up in a, as a sickly kid. I had severe asthma, and back in the 70s, there was no real medication, no inhalers to help out with that. So going through elementary school was a struggle because I got bullied a lot because of my health issues. I was the kid picked last to go on to a team because I wasn't, I wasn't very, you know, mm. I wasn't going to be conducive to them winning or accomplishing things. So I felt very ostracized and alone going through elementary school, but I did, you know, I had great, my parents are great. They're still alive in their eighties, but I grew up with a dad again, who was an entrepreneur. My mom was a stay at home parent that, you know, raised us really. Cause my dad was a workaholic and just went from, it got worse as I got older. I went from elementary school into junior high. And as you get, you know, mm. more gangly I guess or you're more you know you start puberty starts kicking in I got diagnosed with a a rare degenerative spine disorder which I suffer from today and it affects my health called scoliosis and there's different varieties I unfortunately got hit with one of the worst types of uh, scoliosis in my spine and I ended up having to wear a back brace by the time I was in grade nine I had to wear a full cage brace and it affected my six inches between my ears. It affected how I was able to learn in school. I, you know, I had very low self-esteem, got teased and bullied a lot. So it just amplified from getting teased and bullied because of my asthma and allergies. Mm. And it taught me to be, you know, somebody that was very bitter. You know, I was very angry about life like how could this happen why you know why god why this Mm. happened to me and i had to wear this right going into high school and again it continued on 
but then all of a sudden, by the time I hit grade 11, I got it off because they put it on me to control my growth spurt so that I wouldn't be hunched over the rest of my mm. life. And I hit six feet in height. Well, all of a sudden, I was taller than a bunch of people in high school, and I started bulking up a bit, and nobody picked on Dwight anymore, right? They mm. left me alone. So, but by this time, I'd already had a lot of scarring mentally and emotionally, and mm. I, I was introverted. I just hid from everybody. So and let, let, so let me just take you back a little bit. Let, let yeah. me just take you back just a little bit. Sure. You, you said that um, your dad came from one of how many? 18. 18. 18. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is in Canada? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and your mum from, from one of nine? Yeah, my mom was one of nine. Her dad passed away when she was 14 with heart disease. Otherwise, they probably would have had a bigger family. Both European families, uh, both German descent. Um, yeah, so my mom's family probably would have been bigger too. She was 14. Um, both families had farms, right? Both of them were big farming families and other farming community in rural um, Alberta. And hey, one was in rural Saskatchewan. Like Pardon me? What were the winters like? What are the winters like here? Yeah. Well, it depends. Are they, all, it dep are they all, all like summer babies, are they? <laughs> it, 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 you know, like like we, we joke about, everybody says, oh, I had to walk through the snow two miles uphill, and then when I come home, I had to walk two miles uphill. It, it, you know, everything's an exaggeration. <laughs> so we have we have times where the snow is incredible here. We get a lot of snow. Yeah. And then there's winters where we hardly get any, like, it's just, it's, mm. I don't know if it's global warming or mother nature just playing with us, you know, giving us that Good false point. sense of false sense of uh, no snow. And then all of a sudden we get dumped on like this past winter, we had an excessive amount of snow in Canada, but prior to that, it had been in Edmonton, not Canada. I don't want to speak for the mm. whole country because the weather's different from coast to coast. We had uh, probably, uh it would have been 2011 the last time we've had a big dump of snow and you know so we had we had a lot of snow um depending on who's listening you could go by feet we probably had five six feet of snow if you're going in centimeters that's probably couple um, of about 100 180 centimeters roughly we had a lot of snow right mm -hmm. yeah so and it is what it is it's life but yeah that could be a reason why there was so many babies <laughs> I have well, five kids, so so yeah, you know well, well, the snow wasn't as bad. Surely, so uh, so it's pretty fertile country up in that part, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. We're keeping the population of the world going. And, and do they all live in the same area now? My 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 uncles and aunts, or my kids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My uncles and aunts. My extended family, out of the 18, there's uh, nine that are still alive. I believe it's nine. It might be 10. They're all within, if I was to jump in a vehicle and drive, they're all within, I think the farthest relative of mine lives three hours away. That's right? Pretty close in, in Canadian yeah. terms. Yeah, about three-hour drive on my dad's side of the family. On my mom's side of the family, yeah, both that would be about the same because they're all living in Saskatchewan, which is a province right to the. If you looked at Canadian map, it goes British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, right? So, 
that's where my mom grew up was on a farm it's on the border of saskatchewan and alberta and that's how my dad and her met but yeah they're all close and then the, you know they're all relatively healthy the ones that are still alive my parents my dad is uh 81 my mom just turned 81 about 10 days ago so yeah well it must be something in the air there then so <laughs> it's the water <laughs> yeah something in the water <laughs> something to do with long dark winter nights yeah and not a lot of entertainment i guess <laughs> well that's entertainment it depends yeah. it's just a short it's just a short short series <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i mean obviously from that you must have loads and loads of cousins oh yeah there's uh i can't remember the exact count there's about 63 cousins on my dad's side of the family and there's 40 40 plus on my mom's side the problem is when you have family that big and when you're growing up, we've seen them. We go to reunions and we'd have weddings and graduations. We'd see cousins. But then as you grow up, I got married, started having kids myself. Um, or my ex-wife did, obviously, not I. But, you mm. know, we started having kids. And then they have all their extracurricular activities. They have all their things that are keeping them busy. We have our own careers. We have our own things. And then you start slipping up, sliding apart. And then really, when you think about it, even though my kids are all adults now and I have grandkids, it, that connection's broken. It's almost impossible to have that connection yeah. come, come back because, again, now I have my grandkids' lives that I'm interjected into. I'm interjected into my adult kids' life. They don't all live close to me, so I'm traveling to see them. And then I have my business that I travel for. So, yeah. you know, really, those listening, when you have cousins or aunts and uncles you're close with, when you're younger, in my experience, because even with my clients, that's that's a, a memory, a snapshot in time that is impossible to re ever recapture. You might stay close to a couple of your cousins, but when you have like a hundred, like I do, <laughs> it's really hard. I guess the one one of the hardest bit is remembering all their names. <laughs> oh my gosh! Or or am I talk to my folks and they're telling me about this aunt's you know son or daughter, and then they have kids and. And I'm just nodding my head and smiling because I just like, it's like a, a go right over my head, right? So, so, so I guess the Christmas card list is um, fairly extensive then. Oh my gosh, I don't even bother. And what what I have, if you miss one out? Yeah, I don't bother. My mom does. My mom still yeah. does in her 80s, does cards to everybody and she gets a crap load of cards. My sister, my one sister does and my other sister doesn't. But, you know, it's pattern behavior. We see yeah. stuff that people do. Are we going to copy it? I just couldn't be bothered, especially when my kids were so young and I became a single parent. It was like that. that is not on my radar. My radar was just getting them fed, getting laundry done, getting their homework done, getting them to extracurricular activities and start and rinse and repeat the next day. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that was just not not in the cards for me to worry about giving a card. <laughs> yeah. Fair one. So let's 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 get back to um, your schooling. So sure. your elementary school, um, you had a pretty rough time going through there. You had this brace on, and then you went to. Uh, I still had it on when you went up to uh, high school. Um, yeah. So it, it came off, and then obviously 
you've had to take it fairly easy. So I guess you weren't playing a lot of sports. You weren't playing football. Or, or no, I, I wasn't allowed to because the, the brace I had on, um, I don't know if you if people can watch your podcast or not, but for those listening, just visualize the fact that I had a, a, a two-inch bar that came from underneath my chin. I had a chin support. Two-inch bar went down, and it had a leather crowl that pushed my stomach in up into my rib cage. I had two one inch bars behind where there was a, where it held my head in place. They went down and connected to the crawl around the back. And it basically, I couldn't move my head. Right. So I, I wasn't able to play sports. It was, it would have been a liability issue. Mm. I wasn't allowed to take it off. I was only allowed to take it off for one hour a day in that oh. three years that I wore it. Um, so 23 hours a day, I had to wear it. I was allowed to take it off for one hour a day to shower. And then I had extensive exercises I had to do. And uh, so, yeah, I um, couldn't do sports in, in the latter part of junior high and grade nine, like in middle school up to high school, grade 10 and 11. And I had to do a lot of reports and stuff because I couldn't participate. I had to take gym to get the credits to graduate. Um, I played sports when I was really young. Before any of that happened, I played ball. I played hockey. You know, I was a general rambunctious kid to a certain extent because remember, I also had um, very bad asthma and they didn't have the inhalers they have today mm. and the medications to control it. That didn't exist. My first inhaler I never got till I was just about 18. Right. So, yeah, unfortunately, I, I participated and I went to a lot of sports and watched it. My dad played a lot mm. of sports. He was the whole family, all his brothers and sisters and both sides of, of, of uh family there there was lots of sports people so i'd go and watch i'd participate i'd be the bat boy at a ball game or i'd be the stick boy at a hockey game when my dad was playing hockey so i i I lived vicariously through my father because i couldn't do it because of my health Hmm. so going through um high school then i guess you had to concentrate more on your um your studying rather than being athletic so what what was your best subject um in school one of my favorite subjects was physics um i like physics and biology and i also really excelled in computers because back then it was the it was the early 80s like 1980 82 and there was uh computers were coming in the ibm computers and we had our lab and I felt a lot of solace and peace in the computer lab. And I became friends with the computer teacher. His name was Mr. Byers. He took me under his wing and I started learning how to code and program. And he'd let me go into the lab, you know, when I couldn't do certain things um, with sports or field trips or whatever, he'd let me go in there and I ended up joining the computer club. And I started doing, going to competitions and competing on an academic level at different, um, universities and colleges around Alberta, we drive and we compete as a team and programming contests and coding contests. And so that I really liked. Also in high school, I loved machine shop. Right? I, I thought that was fantastic. I liked foods. I like things that I could be creative, I guess would be the best way to put it because I was creating and coding food. I like cooking. I still do today. I I created, you know, I'm creating things. I even liked sewing class and stuff like that. So I had to, because it couldn't be physically active on the sports front where 
people belong to sports teams and they were jumping on a bus on a Thursday and gone till Monday to go to some school outside of the city um, of Camrose, uh, the little town I grew up in, they'd be out doing that. I'd be working in the lab or I'd be in, you know, working on something, working in the, I'd go into the shop where there was, I became friends with the shop guy that did the motors. He taught me about motors and how to rebuild a little small engine motors. And I just did things that I, didn't I could be active, but I couldn't be active like somebody playing football, yeah. basketball, or you know stuff like that. All right. So that was, uh, I guess that was a really good thing for you. You, you, you're fairly practical, and you're very able to do all that practical stuff. So, what happened when you kind of um, graduated high school? What What did you do on? What did you move on to? Well, I graduated when I graduated high school. Um, I decided to go into computer engineering at a college here in Edmonton, so city, the capital city, an hour away from where I grew up in Camrose. I went into that, even though I was good at it. It really wasn't resonating with me, so I stayed in that program for about a year and a half, and I left that program, and I ended up getting hired, getting a job. And I was hired by a man that's still a mentor of mine today, 30 years later. And he hired me to work at his alarm company. And I worked in the monitoring station. I monitored alarms, I monitored security, I monitored everything you can think of. We were in a, you know, like literally a bunker where you'd have to, you could drop a bomb on it. So nobody could get in to, to get you. And he one day decided to pull me out of there and I decided installing alarm systems and he got me to, to go out and learn how to install card access systems, closed circuit cameras. And he told me one day, he says, Dwight, you're wasting, you're, you're so, you're, you're a smart guy. You could go so much farther with this company, with me, go back to school. So I applied and went into electronics engineering at the same college that I was in computer engineering. And two years later, graduated from that, there was 185 of us that started and 18 of us that graduated. And I was one of those 18. And then that period of time, I also got married. So in between, in school, so the last year that I finished off, I was married. I married uh, a lady that had a child and I adopted her. And then we had kids of our own as well. And yeah, I ended up graduating and he wanted me to come back, but I all of a sudden was smarter than what he was, what I thought <laughs> he could offer, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I went, so I went and worked for a, a company called Canadian Standards Association, a certification company. And, and at literally from there, I ended up like the story would take way too long. I ended up getting an opportunity to take over all their IT stuff after hours. And because of that, I took over all their their computer work after hours and it was taken away from my job for them working in their lab that I ended up um, quitting working for them, bought out a computer company, brought on a partner, brought out a computer company, had a retail computer store, a service-based company and a consulting firm and proceeded to run that for the next nine years. Uh, so, 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 so the poor bugger that you... Uh, encourage you to go back to to college. Um, he he didn't fund you through college then. Um, no, no, he didn't. He didn't, he didn't work, fund me. Work for him 
what during the- I worked uh, during school. I uh, during school I worked for him. He still wanted me to come in, and even after I graduated, and I started and working for CSA, and then starting that uh, buying that computer company, um, that firm, he was still getting me. He called me up and asked me to go out and do the odd job for him because he knew he could trust me. So even then, for years after the fact, I was still going out. And he'd say, will you go install this alarm system for me? Will you go take care? Will you go check the work? Like I would go check work for people he had work for him full time or mm. finish up jobs because I'm a tenacious person. Yeah. When I learn something, I learn something and I do it right. I don't, I don't mess around. So, and we're still friends today. Was he butthurt at the time that I didn't come back and work for him? Yeah, but he wasn't willing to offer. I had, I was married. I had a child, you know, I had a child that yeah. we had another child on the way and he wasn't willing to pay me what I needed to survive. Mm. Whereas I had other opportunities that were going to pay me better now because I have um, my electronics engineering. Right. So it yeah. is what it is. Sometimes I didn't do it intentionally to hurt him, but the grand scheme of things, my family comes first. My life works on yeah. three core values, faith, family, and work. And yeah, his work is, the thir- is below my family. Right. Yeah. So well, so many people don't do that. So many people put work above everything. And, and I I think that 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 hurts people in the long run. I mean work you, you should you should be able to 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 work to live, not the other way around. Um, and so many people kind of get that wrong. They 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 set their 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 goals of what they need to earn so high, they need to push so hard, uh, and 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 that's a detrimental effect on their family uh, and the, and their lives and their health. So, uh, yeah, that was that's a that's a good way of looking at life. I mean, to look after the family as number one. Well, my dad was a workaholic, so yeah. I'd get up in the morning, he'd be gone to work. I'd go to bed at night, he wouldn't be home. Yeah. He was an entrepreneur, very successful entrepreneur, but he put work above family. And part of that, though, is is his pattern patterns that he learned growing up on a farm with eighteen with eighteen kids. Mm. He always had that scarcity mentality, so he was always scared that he'd lose everything. So he worked, mm. worked, 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 right? And I did slip in. That'll be honest with your listeners. I did slip into periods in time where I I was a workaholic. I woke up one day and realized I was going to get my kids full time, not just have joint custody of them. And I said to myself, you know, I prayed lots. God, what do you want from me? And the resounding answer always came back to my core values that I had learned since I was a kid. It was faith and family above all else. Work just enough to pay the bills, which is what I was only able to raising five kids on my own. And, you know, my dad bless his heart, love the pieces. He did his, he did what he thought was right. Right. Mm. But you know, in his eighties now, he wished he would have spent more time, but now he spends more time with us and we see them a lot. He spends a lot of time with his great grandkids and his grandkids. And, you know, he, he can't make up for lost time, but you can sure put a, an effort in and recover and create memories. It's never too late to create memories and live a life on purpose. Absolutely. And I think, from from that perspective, I mean, the 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 kids, grandkids, great grandkids won't realise what they have in, in your granddad or in your dad until he's gone, and then it's too late. 
and, and, and that's a, one of the reasons that I started my podcast in the first place is to be able to leave that legacy. So in, in years to come, my, my kids, grandkids, great-grandkids can look back and, and, and know what I did with my life uh, and, uh, and won't have a regret that they didn't spend more time at the time, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's amazing, though. Good for you, because that's I tell people that all the time. They said, why did you, because I started my podcast in uh, November 2020 during the pandemic. I wrote my book from the fall of 2020 till till uh, end of February 2021 and launched my book. And they'll say, well, why do you do that? Because if grandkids that aren't even alive yet will always know if, if their papa died today, they're going to have lots of information to go and, and see. They'll be able to listen to at this time, 80 some podcasts. They'll be able to go and listen to me be interviewed on over 20 some podcasts. They'll be able to read my book. They'll be able to watch all my videos, my blog post, my vlog posts, like my video blogs that I do. And it, I, I'm I'm creating my legacy now. I'm not. I don't think legacy is just when you die. You have to have no, a no. living legacy. You have to be a good example for your your living. Anybody around you, your children, your significant others, and Absolutely. show them a good pattern. And then if you pass away, they they have that template to follow, yeah. right? So I Absolutely. agree with you. Good for you. Congratulations. I, 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 I joined in on one of the uh, the uh, events that um, Podmatch put on the other the other week, and uh, Alex was saying that you have to. You have to focus in on on who your avatar is to to be able to sort of grow your channel. Um, and he went on about his avatar and, and what it was and who it was uh, and who he was targeting his podcast at. And uh, he said, "Well, who's your avatar? Well, my avatar hasn't been born yet. <laughs> my, my my avatar is it, it, a bunch of kids a hundred years from now." Yeah, looking back in uh, in a history lesson, looking at what we did with with our time in history. And That's great. I, I thought that was quite amusing. So I, oh God, I don't know. He's not been born yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's it's you know you talk about the avatar. It's I get asked that question because I belong to a couple of pod uh, podcasting mastermind groups too, where we discuss stuff and. I tell people, well, my name of my podcast, my book, my brand, my last name's Heck. So I created that into a brand, I give a heck. And my target avatar is anybody that gives a heck or or is struggling to want to give a heck and doesn't believe that they yeah. can they can climb out of their despair, their quiet desperation or their hamster wheel of life, like I talk about in my book. It's just, you know, it if it, it honestly, and it's not, it's not putting myself on a soapbox, but if I can get through what I've gotten through and be where I am today and I've raised five kids and none of them are in jail, Tim. <laughs> so that's, that's a good thing. Itself, isn't it? yeah, yeah, that's, exactly. Let's pat myself on the back for that. For those listening, <laughs> I'm, I'm physically doing that. <laughs> right. At bottom line, life's in session. Mm -hmm. This isn't a dress rehearsal and the more, information in a technolo technology driven world that I can record or put on paper or electronically for people to, to never to ensure that all that's inside of me never dies that one more person might climb out of their 
their mm-hmm. quiet desperation and succeed in life and stop being camped, it's all worth it, right? Because podcasting isn't going to make me a, a wealthy person. I don't know about you, but it's I've only had mine going a short period of time. So it's still working on bringing in my avatar and, you know, those type of people and the guests that, that have gone through the struggle, that have risen above it. And, you know, not everybody wants to hear that. It's tough sometimes. People don't want to hear the fact that their lives are on a hamster wheel. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm fortunate. I, I retired four years, uh, four years ago. So, uh, and I'm I'm able to just about scrape by on my pension. So, for me, it's not about making money. I'm not not bothered about monetizing my podcast. My my drive is to leave a legacy for future generations to look back on on people's lives at this time in history. Um, because we can't really do it um, for people. Uh, the reason I, I, I actually started was um, I was doing some research on uh, ancestry and I came across my great-granddad who was in the Royal Navy. He lived over in Portsmouth, with just a spit from where I am. He was a chief stoker in, in the Navy. And I, I, I'd love to have gone back and had a chat with him about his life and what he did. Um and because I haven't got a time machine, I can't do it. And I think that his story is lost. Um, I could, you can find certain bits of paper um, about him and his history, but that's as far as it can go. You can't get his story told by him. So I, that's how I got into this in the first place, to tell my story. And then, then I, I did 24 half-an-hour episodes of my life and so anybody out there that is suffering from insomnia and needs something to help them to get sleep, give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's, it's that, important. And then, and then where do you go from there? So I want to give other people the chance to to tell their life story. And, and this is where we are. Yeah, and that's why I wrote my book. Like my book, um, my give a heck book, right? How to Live Life on Purpose and Not by Accident was specifically starts at my origin. Some of the things I've shared with you today, it, and mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it basically, it's 150 pages, it's easy read, but it, it doesn't go, get every single detail, but it gives enough details and information that I'm not gonna die in history. There'll at yeah. least be, you know, somebody that's got a dusty cover of the book holding and propping up the edge of their couch. Right? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, gonna, it's gonna be there. Right. So, yeah, mm. I appreciate the fact that you're doing this. That's great. Mm. So let's let's just get back to your uh, your life then. So so you finished your, your college. You've got this uh, this degree in electronics and uh, you mugged the poor bloke off that suggested that you go and get, get some <laughs> qualifications. Yeah. And uh, you went to a bigger company that was was able to put a bit more bread on the table. Yeah. And I was there for a little bit and took over their IT stuff and I was working. It was crazy. On my days off, I'd go in, I had, I'd go in and deal with all their, cause they had a lot of staff there and I deal with all mm-hmm. their mainframe work. Cause back then there was mainframes for those listening. Yeah. That's the advent of where the computer started for before they got the personal computer. I dealt with all that, sold them their product. Then I started getting more clients 
on top of that, plus trying to work that nine to five job, it was just too much. Right. So I just gravitated away from there. As I said, got, you know, started my own little business. And then that business within um, eight months, I purchased that other company I mentioned and I had to, I had to leave and just push forward. But then I had some severe health issues in uh, about 90s, 1997, 98 around there. And I ended up having to reevaluate the computer company. So I went and started doing work for other people and, and doing consulting as like being hired as a consultant, mm-hmm. got rid of a few, a couple arms in my computer company had some severe health issues in the, in the year 9-11 happened in 2001. And I pivoted into the finance industry. Do, the same friend that got me into the alarm industry that encouraged me to go to school reached out to me in 2002 and said, I think you'd be good at finance and you could use some help yourself. <laughs> right. So, and, right. That's what he told me. He says, I, it, he, and cause he had pivoted away from the alarm industry was now in finance industry and says, I think you should come get into the finance industry. And that's 20, it, that's 20 years ago. Actually it would have been 20 years ago in February that he reached out to me. And by the fall of 2001, I had started my own agency. I was in finance. I went away from computer industry because the medical professionals told me it was too hard on my mental and physical health. And yeah, and I've been out in this industry since my 20th year. It's been quite the roller coaster ride. Some of it in a valley to spare, some of it on the mountain. It was all, it's all good. There's all, it's, yeah. you know, you can't, you can't enjoy life or understand happiness without despair. So. No, absolutely not. So, so the same guy that, that encouraged you to, to go to college was the same guy that got you into finance uh, and said you need to take someone on for that. Did you take him on? Um, yeah, I, well, I, I got it. He initially, I was part of his business and for about, would have been five years and I didn't like how things were going. I had, you know, on a financial level, cause I'm very analytical. He was more worried about recruiting people. I was more worried about relationship building and helping people do the right things. And my, mm-hmm. you know, the other agents in my own agency, cause I was, my agency was part of his and then helping my clients out that I ended up leaving him. Um, we didn't talk for quite a few years. He didn't take it too well. Uh, but I had to, again, it had to, I had to worry about myself. I had to worry about my family. And what was best. So once, once again, I parted ways. Well, you're going to love this next part of the story. In 2016, he reached out to, pardon me about 2014. He reached out to me and said, Hey, I really want you to come back. You're one of the top financial minds in Canada and in the U S because I used to train for them on different mm-hmm. principles and strategies. I was, I'm just an analytical kind of guy. And where a lot of the people are transactional based, I'm relationship based. I'm about getting mm. to the root of it and doing, you know, doing it uh, more organically and helping people out and building that relationship. And he, him, and the and the president of the uh, department of the company that got me started in Canada reached out and said, "Hey, we want you to come back." So I said, "Okay, well, I'm not closing down my brokerage. I've spent." this many years I've done it. It's, I don't need to, well, we want you to do this. And they tugged up my heartstrings, right? They wanted me to, uh, cause I thought, well, 
I didn't like how they did things before. If they're going to give me an opportunity to create some training for them and to do some stuff for them, I will. So for the first couple of years, they did. They allowed me to do stuff and teach people, but then they slipped back into their old habits of wanting just to bring, throw spaghetti at the wall and bring people in and be transactional based. Mm. So when the pandemic hit in 2020, I said to them, well, I'm exercising this clause of my contract and I'm leaving. And I left. And that same friend that's helped me and, you know, constantly reached out to me over the last 30 years, him and I are no longer communicating once again. But again, it's not about, it's not that I don't love and care for him and appreciate it. I've reached out to him and told him how much I care about him. It's not about him. It's about me. It's about my family and the legacy that I want to represent to the world, the living legacy. What example am I setting out there in the world? And if I would have stayed within that firm, I would have been a hypocrite because I coach people, lifestyle and finance coach people now for this, my 20th year on how to live life on purpose, how to connect with people through their mind, right? Their body and their soul and their heart and do the right things always. And I didn't see them in the same light as they seen themselves. Mm. So I couldn't be a hypocrite. I couldn't live that way. And it was bothering me and and I had to do what was best for me. And again, back to faith, family work. My faith, my God was, I prayed and God was saying, Hey, you got to do what's right for for your fellow humans. You can't, it it can't be about what their drive is. And that's always to make more money, which it is and bring in more people and train more agents. I just couldn't do that. I'd rather have one agent train them. Well, I'd rather have 10 clients that are really well taken care of than the thousands they have that are kind of, you know, have yeah. little pieces of the puzzle, but not the whole picture. So I just, I'm wired differently. Right. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So the pandemic kicked in. Did that change the way that you did your business? Oh, my business crashed. The beginning of 2020, Tim, I was on track to have one of the best years I had had in since 2015 because we had, we're an energy country, a province and a country. Our mm. province is the third largest oil reserves in the world. The energy industry crashed in 2015. Business went down. Came back and it was doing starting i was starting to finally get my momentum back 2020 i was on track in the first couple months before everything locked down in march to have the best year i was ever that i'd ever had just on my personal side not my agency mm-hmm. and the pandemic hit and i had to reevaluate things and that's why i decided to leave you know execute that part of the contract and left that company cuz i didn't want they were wasting my energy and time and I've met some other people over the last few years, a gentleman by the name of Tony Watley. Um, He runs an organization called the 365 Driven, and it's about doing the right things, creating relationships, very family-centric, very you-can-have-your-cake-and-eat-it-too processes where you can still have success. You get to decide what your level of success is, not anybody else. And once you it will help you with your your you know your thought processes and building whatever. And he's the one that one day we were talking, and there was a lady. He was recording his podcast. I didn't have mine yet. And he says, "Come on, watch my podcast." He'd have it on his closed group. 
you know, I'm going to record this podcast. He invited me and a bunch of people to come and watch. Well, I started watching this podcast and there was a lady on there. You can look her up. Her name's Alexandra Watkins. Eat My Words is her book and she's a branding specialist. And after the podcast was recorded, we had a closed Q&A session. We could ask her questions and she asked me what the name of my company was. And I told her at the time and she said, that's stupid. <laughs> All right. She, she said that's she and then she explained the psychology behind it. Well, then we started knocking some names around within hours. My friend Tony, who I'd only known for a, a little over a year and a half, sent me, started sending me different recommendations. What the heck? This and that. And then he sent me one saying, Well, give a heck. We talked about that. You can get the domain right now. It's still available. You can do this, you can do that. And he just encouraged me. Nothing in it for him. We were just friends at that time. I hadn't joined his mastermind. I just joined his private closed group. Yeah. Or pardon me, his closed group where we mentored. You know, everybody mentors and and he oversees and helps too. And he's so basically, I did that. I got a website created. By July, I had the had the trade name registered. July of 2020, and I haven't slowed down since with the Kev a Hack brand. By the, I had another, I started going on to, um, went into a podcast mastermind to learn how to become a guest, started being on some shows, met some great people from there. One of the ladies I met, she has a podcast called Waking Up with Patty Catter. I was a guest on her show and she has two and a half million downloads an episode every week on week on week. Yes. Oh my gosh. She took, she took me under her wing and encouraged me to do the podcast. Tony and everybody have been encouraging me, but she was tenacious. She kept on reaching out to me. She lives in Florida in the U S husband's military vet. And she just encouraged me. She helped me hook up with her production company that produces her show. She encouraged me. She was one of my, one of my first dozen guests. Um, she was just amazing. And she still connects with me today because of our relationship and what we created, she created her own podcast um, arm of her business where she teaches people how to create their own podcast because of just how encouraging she was to me. And I kept on telling her, you should do this. Like, you're amazing. You're so kind, and but you're articulate. You're able to help. And that, so the next thing I know, November of 2020, got a podcast, give a heck podcast. And because of, of uh, the gentleman, Tony Watley, I mentioned, I went to an event in, uh, Utah during the pandemic, I went to a, in Utah in uh, um, in the mountains and we hiked and did stuff. But he had what he had a day of where he had speakers and stuff. And well, that's where I met my publisher, and that's how I ended up starting my book in October of 2020, and released it in March of 2021. And it, all it, it's it's not what you know and who you know that counts. Is so true. And those people that you get to know that network are those associations conducive to you climbing and leveling up in life and giving a hack. And I was blessed and highly favored. God brought these people into my life and some of the darkest moments of my life. I look back and I've had that gentleman that helped me with, with the alarm stuff, with getting into electronics, to getting into finance. God brings people to us. We pray, mm. we beg for help, whether you're, God fearing or you're a person that just believes in the universe, the universe or God or whatever brings things to you. You got to be aware to say, Hey, why yeah. am I keeping on saying I, I need this help? Bring this to me. 
And, and then we pray, Hey, why aren't you helping me? Well, meanwhile, mm. there might've been five people been brought in front of your face and you just ignored it. We have to <laughs> self-awareness is, is a big thing, right? Yeah. I mean, when it comes to, um, faith and church and all the rest of it, I'm, I'm a hatch em, match em, dispatch em type, uh, sort of. Well, it's each their own, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't judge anybody. It's, 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 it's the church of England that they, 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 they encourage you to just to go to, to, um, baptisms, weddings and funerals. <laughs> Seems to be more funerals than anything else nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Well, even in my life, I've had so many, so much loss. Um, yeah, that it's, and, and that's part of the reason why I do what I do now be to work on my living legacy and to ensure that the music inside of me, all the knowledge that I've learned through the trials and tribulations doesn't die, that somebody generations from now, as you mentioned, will be able to find that information and still mm-hmm. me touch their lives, even though I'm long gone. Talking about um, being long gone and reaching out from, from the future. I mean, podcasting is, is, is a growing mm-hmm. industry at the moment. Now, in if you look back, sort of twenty or thirty, forty, fifty years, the technology that we had back then is redundant now. It's really difficult. If if you look just what um, twenty or maybe thirty years when v, VCRs came out, how many people got VCRs nowadays? <laughs> yeah. Well, the VCR came out in the seventies, so yeah, it's, yeah. So, it's so kind of a boat anchor. Yeah, when I got, I got a bunch of cassettes in the toy shed. So do, uh, so do I. I, got, I, got, I, I got, got two shelves full. No, I'm going to move to them anymore. Oh, I, mean, I do. The, I um, recordings that I made at the time of, of different stuff. Um, I had a so bunch of mine converted to DVD. You could look at mm. doing that. I sent them off yeah. to a company and had them converted and put on DVD, and then they put them on a hard drive for me. I did it about ten years ago. Yeah, so the home videos. Do that. Some of some of it I did. Um, I did it myself, so I had the means to do it a few years ago. I haven't got the means anymore, but yeah, it's uh, so so the technology we've got today. The the formats that we're using, you know, we're going to have them in years to come, or is it? Is it going to evolve? Is it going to be able to, are we going to be able to keep this format or or convert it to the new format in years to come? What do you reckon? Um, well, based on my technology background, I I look at the fact of when I first got into computers, we'll, we'll dial it back to there to give people that are listening um, an idea. Back then, we had floppy floppy disks, five and a quarter inch floppy disks, and that was it. There was no hard drives on the computer. They were all hooked up to a one central hard drive, which today's my my Apple Watch that I'm wearing has more memory, like thousand times more memory than we had back then in the 80s. And I look at all that that information that was on floppy drives that is lost forever. So, you know, today though. When I, like I mentioned the fact that I got my home recordings, the videos that were on 
VHS tapes or even on the small digital tapes put onto DVD. Well, I had to foreshadow it at the time. I paid the extra money and they dumped it onto a portable hard drive. Well, Mm. is that portable hard drive going to even still function in the future? So I think we have to take responsibility as a society if we want our information, our our pictures, whether they're on, on a negative or print film, if we scan them or whatever, to make sure that we put them up. Like I've been starting to put stuff up into the cloud. Like I have cloud storage and I have more than one cloud storage and I've given the passwords to my kids so that they can access it because I have about 150,000 digital pictures that are uploaded right now, right? From all the time when they were little to different events, to baptisms, to weddings, to birthdays, to holidays. And because I'm so paranoid that what you said, is it still going to be accessible? Is it going to be automated? I'm not relying on anybody in life to ensure that that's still available. I'm relying on me. So I, I foreshadow the fact that what you were saying, technology is going to change. Who knows what the next medium is going to be? Look at DVDs are pretty much dead. CDs pretty much dead, right? So we need to understand what's the next wave. Well, the biggest wave over the last decade has been cloud, cloud technology, yeah, right? But you got to also then then you then you got to worry about to make sure that your subscriptions are paid because I die and all of a sudden nobody's paying that subscription. Bye bye. Yeah. <laughs> there goes all your data. It's, 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 it is a, it is a concern. I mean, how how will all of this survive in the future when they start bringing in a different type of media to to store it? Um, yeah. Well, I, have to, I think there will be different media, guaranteed. Yeah. But what we have to do is, as a society, like you and I want to keep history, you know, back in the day, history 100 years ago, a lot of it was in print. And even that's been lost. It, yeah. There's a chance it'll survive, but even that's lost because it's lost to the elements. It's lost to somebody rooting through somebody's estate stuff because they've passed and tossing it away because it doesn't have any relevance to them. They're not somebody that was ever taught about, you know, connection to the past or their family. So they toss it away and that's history's gone forever. So for old photographs, if, if you haven't got the context of the photograph and there's nothing written on the back who it is, doesn't mean anything to you. Well, they look at it they don't know who it is. Yeah. Right. So that's yeah, it's 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 a definitely a concern. I I believe though to answer what you were commenting on, I think we need to take onus and responsibility ourselves if we want to ensure the future knows that we weren't just a, a hiccup, a blip, right? Because you know, five, six generations from now, great, 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 great grandpa Dwight, you know, okay, yeah. you know, grandpa grandpa heck, you know. Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I was thinking about, I've been thinking about this, talking about it with my sisters. I'm going to actually go and sit and do podcast recordings of my mom and dad while they're still lucid, while they're still able to. And I want to record all that stuff. And I keep on procrastinating to do it because life always, I allow life to get in the way. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm not going to go and drive and see them to do it. I'm just going to, they have iPads. My sisters and I got them. I'm going to get them to hook up because I use Zoom to record. 
and I'll start doing it. Maybe once a week, hook up with my mom on her iPad or my dad and start recording them and asking them questions. Yeah. And, you well, know. I did my mom. My mom was the first one I did. <laughs> good for you. Yeah. So, so how, how many I'm hours did you spend story. doing that? How many hours did you spend doing that? Um, we, 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 we've done it a lot, but um, the actual podcast of me mum is about half an hour. But I might go back and get some more. Now, now I'm doing everything remotely, and I'm doing everything um, on on um, Streamyard. Um, I found I've used lots of different platforms. I started off with Zoom and and uh, and the like, but I couldn't get on with it. But since I I started using Streamyard, it's transformed how I um, how how I do my podcasts. Um, oh, really? and, and it's great because I, I do some live streaming as well on a on a Thursday, uh, a two hour show on a Thursday, um, where I live stream, and I can do that all in uh, in Streamyard. Yeah, I do that all in Zoom. Zoom Zoom allows me. I did uh, I recorded a podcast on Saturday with a lady that's just releasing a book. I've known for nineteen years. Very successful. And we did it live and I streamed it to Facebook, right? I know StreamYard, StreamYard, I think, allows you to stream with a lot more platforms, though, right? Yeah, so. you can do, um, it does, I, I stream on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and LinkedIn simultaneously. Um, and and it, that goes out. And, and then I can record, this is, say, this is recording, this is what it'll look like when it goes out. Um, I'll drop it down put a top and tail on it in Adobe Audition, uh, Adobe Premiere Pro, um, and then I can upload it into onto YouTube uh, and it'll be there. And then the audio, I bring down the two tracks uh, and I, I just give them a little bit of beefing up and uh, top and tail it again. And then that goes out on Buzzsprout and then across all the different platforms that Buzz, Buzzsprout goes out to. So. Uh, Oh, that's hopefully, awesome. It'll all be around in the future. <laughs> and hopefully they where they update the different media and stuff like that, it'll evolve it and save it. So Well, I th I think like I use Anchor, which is owned by Spotify, and I go yeah. mine gets up to eleven different platforms. I have my YouTube channel. Even if we pass tomorrow, your podcast is still gonna be there. Yeah. Right. There's only three, there's three million and some active podcasts out of 300 and some million that have mm. been created since podcasting became a thing. So even podcasters that they say an average podcaster doesn't make it past five episodes. Well, guess what? Mm. Their episodes are still there. You yeah. can look for them, right? So I think you and I have a good shot of still being around decades well, I found, from now. I, I found out the other day that um, uh, about... Um, Listen notes, and I'm yeah. in the top top ten percent of podcasts. Oh, good for Very you! Quick. How long you how long have you been podcasting for? Two years. Two years. Two years this month. Yeah, I'm I'm in I'm in the top ten percent as well. Um, I and then they have that metric where it's how many percent are listening, and my number goes up and down. And then I look I look at people that I know like Patty. 
she's in the top 1%. Tony's in the top 1% for their podcast, but they've been, Tony's been five, four years, five years podcasting. And she's been podcasting for more than a decade. And, you know, it's just time in the game. Just keep on pushing and moving on. Right. But yeah, listen notes is pretty powerful. Hmm. Well, my honor is that um, since I joined Podmatch, it just seems that, uh, there's an exhaustible uh, amount of uh, people out there to talk to. And no, every, I, I belong to everybody, two. Everybody, everybody's got their own story. No, there's. I use uh, Matchmaker FM and I use Podmatch, and I get. Mm. I have a plethora. I get applications. Podmatch, like it's it's crazy how many people I reach out to me on both uh, Matchmaker FM and Podmatch. Mm. Right, so it it's just. Yeah, I need to get on more shows. Like that's why I I hadn't done anything in probably four or five months. But you can go on to that's another thing too. You can find out what shows your guests have been on, including yourself, by going to Owlnet. I don't know if you've ever used that, but that's yeah, another product. Not older, that one. Owlnet, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's wrap this up and then we'll have a, another little bit of a chat. Sure. So thanks very much, Dwight. That's been fascinating chat. Proper, proper fascinating chat today. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah thank you uh, for having me on. I appreciate you. Uh, and we put where, where your book's coming out and uh, all the rest of it in the description. Uh, so yeah, my book, my, yeah, my book's out already. Yeah. Brilliant. Thanks very much. You bet. Thanks for listening and look forward to the next one. Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you.